looking at Luke 4, 16 through 30. Jesus rejected at Nazareth. Um, I'll go ahead and... Actually, would somebody mind reading the text for me tonight? Um, if, you, if you've got your Bible and stuff like that. Who would bring a Bible to a Bible study? I know, right? You guys are you guys are like really spoiled with Hemingway always putting everything up on a PowerPoint for you. You know, you just recorded that. Um, oh, he knows. Can I read it in IV or do I have to go to the ESV? Well, what what do you use for your lessons? I guess. So the ESV. Sorry, Cindy. They don't really. I should be able to. We should go to a different one. I think. Yeah. We've pretty much moved over to that. still try to read it to them because it is still God's word. And and, and I know like faith doesn't come by understanding. We have to realize that though. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would still read it to them. They may not understand it. Hell, some of us don't understand it mm-hmm. as adults. And so what we do want though is the word spoken so that faith is moved, that it is fed, that it is created. Um, and so I would still, I would still do that. Um, you can choose a translation that's simpler and stuff like that. Like the NIV is much more, um, it's made for reading out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, ESV is very clunky, but it's also very faithful to the text. Um, so there's sometimes that I just don't like reading the ESV, especially out loud because like, <laughs> starting to sound like Porky Pig. <laughs> and uh, so. But you guys are yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. That's why we're. we're yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, I still think that the way they term a lot of it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. But we do, we do have, they have. Okay. Every lesson we have the verse. Okay. That we're, we're. Okay. So, I mean, we do read that. Kind of <coughs> Excuse me. And maybe I'll bring the Bible in and it is harder for them, yeah. And some of the kids are great readers, and some, like my own son, yeah. can barely read. Mm-hmm. And he's trying, but it's hard for him. It's harder for kids. Yeah. And that's why I would stick to just you reading it mm-hmm. um, for that very purpose. Um, but, but yeah, if you're using it, great. Um, because that's, like I said, that's the part that, that does the work. Yeah. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, Luke four sixteen to thirty, 
And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there are many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they could throw him down the cliff. But in the midst, he went away. All right. So this is a bit more difficult text, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, doubtless you will quote to me, physician, heal yourself. Um, I'm trying to remember. <coughs> Look it up here. Um, the Old Testament reading that went along with this was in this this year's series. Um, oh, was right with Naaman? I think so. That we, that we did that. That was one of the ones that was. Mm -hmm. Of course, now we want to be slow. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting that obviously the people in Nazareth um, understood exactly what he was talking about, you know, because I, I could see it's like, what the hell was he talking about? But they knew, you know, they knew the reference about the widow of Zarephath. They knew about Naaman. Again. What do you say, Elijah or Elisha? Elisha, yeah. Elijah was sent was to the widow. Yeah. Why did they reject him? Because. Well, from the way the text makes it look like, is that they did want him to do that same stuff that he did at um, at a, at a <coughs> Capernaum, um, which I'm escaping. They want yeah, they wanted miracles. They wanted all the signs. They want, they want this glorious Jesus, yeah. this shining bright guy. Um, but Jesus doesn't give it to them because that's not what he's there to do. He's not a bread king, is what what we'll say. Because um, like, there's instances where he will feed them. You know, feeding five thousand, those thousands of people. Um, but he'll also be teaching at the same time. Um, 
And so, here now, he's telling him that this has been fulfilled, that the scripture has been fulfilled in him. Uh, and I love that. And they spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Um, and then they say, is not this, is, is not this Joseph's son? Or is the ESV clunky once confusing. again? Yeah. Jumps around. Yeah. Isn't this Joseph's son? That's what we really wanted to say. Um, and uh, what they're referring to is that this guy's just a carpenter. Um, that's all he is. How, how, can it, how can this thing be fulfilled? So it could be that they started off really great, you know, saying, saying nice things. But then they started thinking about him. Yeah. Um, this guy's a carpenter. He's uneducated. How can he know so much? Um, I, think, I think he's lying. You know, he's pulling, pulling a fast one on us. Um, I mean, I think you think he is, thinking he's the son of God. Yeah. Seriously? Mm. There's no way he came from. Nehemiah 8. So they basically, they wanted him to prove it, to prove it and actually show him how he was could perform miracles and all that. <clears throat> but I don't think that they still would have believed that he was, you know, I mean, they weren't coming from the standpoint of faith. I don't no, no, I don't think they were either. They were, they were Jewish. Now, that does sound derogatory, and it kind of is. But by the time we get to the religion of, of Israel, it's no longer really Israel anymore. It's just Judea um, is the big one. And so that's where actually we get the word Jew from. But Judaism is something far different than the faith of the Hebrews that we read in the Old Testament. Um, and so the faith there really has become about the people. And we see that through history now, especially um, like the whole race of, of Judaism is really what those that go to the synagogue really gather around rather than the actual message that's there. Um, probably the only one that actually does still gather around the message is probably Orthodox Judaism, maybe a little bit of conservative Judaism, but not Reform, that's for sure. Um, they're like the ELCA of, of, the, of, of Judaism. But, um, Most of their stuff I see is like, yeah. Yeah. Right. Morality. Morality. And Judaism is all about morality, but it especially becomes about being the people. Um, people don't realize abortion is actually pretty high in, in Jewish circles, because if there's going to be something wrong with that kid, this is this is like really weird to me, especially with with their history concerning the 20th century. But they'll actually, if if the if the if they're told that the baby has a flaw, they'll actually abort it. To keep their race pure. Oh, Where have we heard that before? Yeah, really. Um, killed a lot of Jews because of yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they've actually become what they, you know, were fighting against essentially for the greatest part of the 20th century, um, which just blows my mind. But I'm not them. But yeah, it does come about come about to be a people to them rather than just the faith. Um, and so. Now they want Jesus to be nice to them because he does all these cool things. Um, and how, that's why the, the whole part about, you know, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown is because Jesus, he's not going to do it because it's not going to do anybody any good because they're looking for the handout. 
um, rather than just receiving the faith, um, concerning themselves with the word. They're more worried about the physicality of it all rather than the spiritual. Though we can't divide those necessarily, but they, they've just got their eyes in the wrong part of the physicality of it all, um, the physical things. And so... And so why he then goes into Elijah, not Elisha, sorry. Um, but in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. <coughs> what Jesus pointed out here, there was many people in need. But Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. Um, he was only sent to one person. Um, why that is, we'll find that out when we meet him face to face. Speculation is that she was one of the few actually that were faithful um, to God. Um, and then also to their fellow man. But that's, of course, the speculation. Um, and then starting again at 27, there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian. The Syrian. He's not even Jewish. Um, and this is, this is going to be very scandalous, Jesus mentioning this, because it's not a part of the people, the Jewish people. It's not a part of their blood. Um, because Naaman is a Syrian. He is an outsider. His people would eventually uh, enslave Israel, essentially. Syrians, Babylonians, um, Persians, all that kind of stuff um, is what Naaman was. And so that's going to be scandalous right there. Um, and so then when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They just weren't angry. They were wrathful. There's a big difference. There's, this is like the veins popping out of your neck type of idea. You know, you're so angry that you're just yelling and there's nothing but this, this chaos. Um, and so they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Nice, guys, don't you think? <clears throat> but passing through their midst, he went away. What this is pointing out, this last one, is that it's not Jesus' time to die. This isn't how he's going to die. Um, and so he can just pass right through him. He is God, so he probably uses some sort of, I don't want to say magical incantation, but he probably just, you know, peacefully walks out. Somehow he does it. Um, and so, but it is not Jesus' time to die. We've got far too many chapters left of Luke to uh, to make yeah. this the end of the story. So, um, well, Jesus never claimed to be popular. No, he didn't, <laughs> and he still doesn't. Mm -mm. True Christianity, true, uh, true, the true doctrine is still not popular. Look at our, look at us, our church body. Um, on the books, we have eighteen hundred, but in reality, we only have about eight hundred. Um, because they've been offended by something here that's been said, probably. Um, 
but that's because by its very nature, the gospel to an to the unbeliever is offensive. Because first and foremost, it already takes everything off your shoulders, your salvation, even your actions. Um, while they may appear to be ours, they are still Christ who dwells in us. Paul says that in all of his epistles. Um, and so even their good works, they can even claim as their own. Um, and so everybody, by nature, wants to do everything for themselves um, and gaining everything. Because you hear far too often, if, as long as I'm just a good enough person, um, I'll get into heaven. It's not how it works. It's all by grace through faith, apart from works. Which I never try to figure out how every other Christian nomination gets around that very verse right there. Um, because everybody else seems to make it about our works at some, in some way, shape, or form. Um, in different ways. But... But Lutherans, we stick to by grace through faith. Because even that which I do, I don't do on my own. It's Christ who dwells in me. I mean, Paul, and, you know, we've got the fa- famous uh, tongue twister, you know, the good I want to do, I cannot do because sin dwells in me. Now, if I want to do good and so on and so forth. Um, but he still points to Christ being that which is, oh, I don't want to sound too new agey, but he is the energy that, that works us. Um, he he gives us his spirit. Now the word spirit in Greek can also be breath. And so that's what the spirit is. It's the breath of God at the same time. Um, which is why we always attach the Holy Spirit to the word proclaimed. Um, so I'm getting into a preaching fit now. That's okay. But But any questions about that, about anything here? <coughs> Excuse me. I mean, when I talk to the little ones, like three, four, and five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. You're not going to go into all that, no. No. <laughs> I just talk about the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and Jesus and God, the three main, you know. Um, but sometimes I feel like I'm getting redundant, like I'm saying the same thing over every Sunday, you know. The emphasis, yeah. you know. But then, of course, there's the story, which brings in the other names of the people mm-hmm. and things like that. But I guess we should be emphasizing that every Sunday because that's mm-hmm. that's the really the important. yeah. Don't be afraid to be repetitive. Don't ever be afraid of that when it comes to the Christian faith and teaching it, um, because you know you have the one kid in there, ornery as any German would be or <laughs> Scandinavian of some sort that always Excuse seems. Me. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of them too. You know, I'm worse. I'm Russian. I'm German. I'm English, and I'm Polak. I'm my own enemy, and I'm neutral about it. Um, <clears throat> but you'll you'll have that one that just it won't click until the seventh time they hear they hear it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if they come from an unchurched background, mm-hmm. because even in the school we can't kid ourselves. A lot of even our kids come from unchurched backgrounds, mm-hmm. um, and so. Don't don't ever be afraid to be repetitive, and I, and I say that in the best way possible, okay. um, because especially with kids, if if we can get them to memorize just that one thing, we've done our job. Yeah. So. Yeah. And over yeah. and over. Mm-hmm. That's why pop music is so. Popular amongst mm-hmm. not me, um, 
It's all mm-hmm. the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we won't get started on that. Anyway, um, but yeah, don't, don't like I said, don't be afraid to get repetitive, okay. especially with kindergartners um, because their brains are going a mile a second. You know? Oh, yeah. So, I've noticed that. Um, <laughs> now, it doesn't mean that they're not learning. Also yeah. know that, um, yeah. that they are going a mile a second um, because they'll remember things that you didn't th- ever think that they would have remembered. And I use pictures a lot because, you know, how kids like to visualize oh, yeah. pictures and books and stuff. So I, I love the pictures on the front of the lesson. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the picture and what's in the picture. So I'm trying to reinforce mm-hmm. what's in the story in the picture so they can visualize things. And I'm glad to hear that because use pictures. Um, oh, yeah. I think use artwork. Yeah. You know, artwork, artwork in the church is meant to teach. And the stickers, too, are good. I have stickers. I don't know if the rest yeah, of you have one. But they love the stickers. Put yeah. the stickers on things. Yeah. <clears throat> so. so. All right. Any other questions, comments about what we just went through? Um, I hope you got a few nuggets out of it anyway. Um, maybe it's good to mention where he does quote... Um, uh, Isaiah 61 in verse 18 verses 18 and 19 um, where it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to settle at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor this is Jesus's job description right here the spirit of the Lord is upon me because not because I did it but because he has anointed me that can get weird because of the Trinity whole thing. Um, but I have come. He has anointed. What has he anointed me for? But to proclaim good news to the poor. You know, we hear the Beatitudes here. Those in poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Um, it is to the poor in spirit that he has come to uh, take care of. And so he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, those who are captivated by sin, um, and recovering of sight to the blind, those who are in the darkness. Um, we're, we're not going for the physical route here necessarily, but um, but the, those are blind by the the darkness of of, uh, of sin and, and the world and the devil. Um, and so he's also then to set at liberty, which is the free, those who are oppressed, those who are oppressed by sin, by their guilt, um, you know, those things that I'll talk on on Sunday, or Pastor Hemingway too. Um, but, yeah, he's here to proclaim the, lo- the year of the Lord's favor. He's here to sh- say that God is favorable to you. He loves you. Um, and he's going to do it all through me. It kind of reminds me of uh, Hebrews 1, um, 1 and 2, where it talks about, you know, in days of old, God spoke to his people of old by the prophets. But now in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son. So maybe even heaven's having an idea like that in there. But, um but that's, that's his job description. You can't even say that. This is what Jesus has come to do. He hasn't come to give you tons of money. He hasn't come to get you the big house or the nice car. But he has come to rescue you from sin, death, and the devil. Which in the end does much more than any car, any home, any video game. You got, you know, boys in my seventh grade class. Um it's it's far it's worth far much more because it keeps you out of hell. 
And that's why what I try to emphasize to my seventh graders, especially, you know, this stuff matters because it's an eternal matter rather than just an earthly matter. Though you can't divide the two. Um, you can't divide the spiritual and the physical um, because they're all one and the same. But, yeah. Any questions on that? All right. Um, next lesson then. Jesus calls his disciples Matthew 4. Matthew 4, 12 through 25, where Jesus begins his ministry. Um, and so he's beginning his ministry, and he's calling his, his very first disciples. And so... Cindy, do you mind reading that again? <coughs> I do have a printed Bible if you would like to use it. Oh, I could do that. <laughs> Jesus begins his ministry. Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boats with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee <laughs> and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. All right. Um, before we get too much into it, a reminder, uh, what makes, when it ends up being one of the things that, needed to take place in order to be disciples that they were all present for Jesus' baptism. So if this is the, you know, calling the first disciples, maybe point out, you know, these guys are at his baptism. They know who he is. Um, and they've made it, they've, uh, or he's made them curious. And that's why they immediately leave everything behind. Um, because they know there's something special about this guy. They won't get it until he's resurrected and even then they don't know they, it doesn't click all the way I mean, it isn't until pentecost really that something happens um all right so at the top then now when he heard that john had been arrested he withdrew into galilee um 
don't know if you want to point out John the Baptist are being arrested or not. Um, I don't think that's the main emphasis of all of this. But um, Jesus is a little bit fearful that the same thing will happen to him because, you know, he's saying the same thing John is. He's calling to repentance in order to forgive. And so in leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. And so we've got a fulfillment thing going on here. Um, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So part of the reason Jesus is going to this region is another job description thing going on here as a prophecy fulfillment, especially verse 16. You know, there are people dwelling in darkness, and they have now seen a great light. That light is Christ. Um, and for those dwelling in the region in the shadow of death, so we're talking about a spiritual region here, if you will. Um, maybe this brings to mind uh, Psalm 23 right away. Um, and on, on them a light is, has dawned, and it's, always, it's still pointing to Jesus, pointing him as the light. Um, Um, so yeah so Jesus is pointing himself as the fulfillment of things kind of like our previous text um, he is the light that now shines in the darkness and so from that time Jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand another possible translation for that for the for the red text um, the kingdom of heaven has come near. So, is at hand means it's, it's near. It's close by. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Now, Jesus means something far different than the guy standing on the street corner saying, Repent, the end is near. <laughs> He's not pointing to, to bring them to guilt. He's not pointing them to, uh, to uh, well, what's the word I'm looking for? To try and trap them into anything. He's saying repent and receive forgiveness. Because um, there's two parts to repentance. There's the confession of the sin, the acknowledging who we are, but then there's also the forgiveness. Um, we call our first part there in the divine service confession and absolution. We can also just call it repenting. Um, because we're turning away from our sin, or turning away from ourselves and looking to Christ. Because in the, in the end, what the word repent means is a 180 degree turn. And so you're no longer focusing that way, but that way instead, type of idea. Um, and so the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent because the kingdom of forgiveness is right in front of you, essentially. He's standing right in front of you, the king who will be crowned on a throne of a cross with thorns. Um, so that's what Jesus is trying to get at here. Um, questions on anything so far? Can Jesus stop you from sinning? Or do we just naturally sin? We naturally, by nature, now sin. Um, people, I, I shouldn't say people, I try to point out, you know, that you know, God's not really looking for obedience necessarily. What he is looking for is faithfulness because we, he knows we can't be obedient. 
And so that's why Jesus had to come is because all we can do now on this side of the fall is choose to sin. Um, and that's why the word has to be proclaimed. That's why we have to receive something outside of ourselves to move us more towards that goal of, of heaven. Um, so does that make sense? I, I kind think, of. I think if Jesus wanted to, he could stop us. From well, yeah. But God gave us a free will. And, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, when you it know, comes like, to matters like, like that, said, yeah. On this side of heaven, you know, on this side of heaven, yeah, we 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 can only. Why he just lets us sin? Because he could stop us. He's God. But why he just lets us sin is because he loves us so much that he's willing to let us go down the other road. You know, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No, it's kind of like. But it's like being a parent. You know, um, an example will be um, myself and my sister. Um, I'm the one, I'm the oldest. Um, technically, I'm the middle child, but I'm still the oldest. Um, I'm the one who still went down the, the path of faith, who works in the church, um, who attends church regularly, even when I don't preach or, or in here. Um, my sister, on the other hand, doesn't attend church anymore. Um, she's gone down a very different path than, than I have. My parents, however... They've taken the right stance in that, all right, you can do what you want. You're an adult. But no, this isn't this this isn't kosher. You know, receive receive the word. But they love my sister so much that they're willing to let her destroy herself. Now she's not destroying herself, but she is a legalist. Um, but they're willing to, you know, hopefully she'll come back. She's a couple years younger than I am, so she's 31 now yeah and so there's still time and of course there's no time like the present but but they're still willing to wait be patient um now my parents they're not perfect parents um but they're still doing their best that's a great example of how god does deal with us though he loves us so much that he's willing you know he's um He's the over-loving father. Uh, I point to the prodigal son, the, the parable of the prodigal son, which is actually misnamed. Um, it should be the parable of the over-loving father. Um, and because he has those two sons, the one son listening, doing what dad wants him to do, fulfilling his vocation. There's the other one goes, eh, I'm done with this. Give me my stuff. Give me my money. I'm going to go. Instead of saying, not so fast, he doesn't say that. He says, okay, here. Now, no, you always have a place here. There's always grace. Um, and so he lets him go. And he lets him fall to the, to almost to death in order that he would be brought back to life. Um, and that's one thing that I don't think we often point out now is God is always killing to make alive. He's always killing us to make us alive. Um, that's, you know, when, when we're humbled, um, when we're in that dark place. Uh, another great example, unfortunately, for my ego is, is me and the depression that I went through, almost committing suicide. Um, he actually almost killed me, literally, 
but he used that to bring me back to life. I'm a far different man, far different pastor than I was before all that happened. And so that's what God is always doing. That's the law can do nothing but kill. Um, that's the main purpose of it, to show us our sin. But that's where the gospel then comes in with its sweet, sweet sound of, I forgive you. You are forgiven. You are righteous. You are his. Um, doesn't make any sense, because why does a father want to kill their child? Well, another great example of that is, well, the father did kill his one and only son. Why did he do it? Because he loved the rest of his sons and daughters so much that he was willing to give up the perfect guy. Um, so now I'm preaching, but mm -hmm. I think just that you know we as Christians sometimes, at least I do. I think I'm a Christian, and I don't sin like that. yeah. You know what I, I mean? It's terrible to say that. Well, then, and, but you know, and I sometimes good... feel that way. Like, well, I, you know, I I don't commit adultery don't murder and I try not to lie and you know yeah. I pick on those things and I go well I'm not too bad and and the thing and the thing with us though is we acknowledge that we know that we've done stuff but there's a whole bunch of stuff we don't remember that we did uh, yeah and so yeah you know those we break all 10 commandments daily and much um whether we realize it or not yeah um and that's the point that I try to make at least with my preaching is it's not so much a it's not the the actual sins that is the big problem. Mm -hmm. It's the original sin that we're conceived with. Mm -hmm. um, that's where Jesus had to come in and fix the problem. Mm -hmm. uh, all the actual sins, they're just a side effect, if you will, of the, the disease. Um, and so he is worried about that. That's why he gives us confession absolution. Why he also gives us Private confession absolution. We Lutherans still practice that. We just don't make you hail Mary quite contrary at all. Um, but we forgive you. And so, and that's where I hope you guys get to understand this at some point. Uh, you know, it's not so much about the sins you've committed because you're going to do it much. Don't be surprised when you or somebody else sins because we are by our nature. We are by our very DNA, smaller than our DNA probably, bigger than our DNA, mm -hmm. all of it is corrupted. Mm -hmm. The yeah. whole entire cosmos, the entire universe, you know, yeah. not to mention our world and our little well, corner our of it. Well, our thoughts. I mean, it starts from our thoughts yeah. and our heart. You know? and, and that's why we And we may not act on it, but we still think it and we still feel right. it in our heart. Yeah, because, you know, that's another one of the other confessions from DS1 and 2. You know, uh, I've sinned in... What? Thought, word, and deed. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's encompassing all, our, uh, all of who we are. Mm -hmm. um, now Jesus has come along and fixed that problem um, because the greatest work any Christian can do is actually repent. Confess and receive forgiveness. Um, again, it's not even us doing it. It is still the Holy Spirit moving us, but, but it's still the greatest work a Christian can do is to acknowledge, yeah, I am a sinner. You know, I love uh, the Luther quote, you know, when the devil comes to you and tells you, you know, that you're, that you're essentially the dirt of the earth, that you're worth nothing, that you are sinful, tell him this, what of it? 
I have redemption in my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who has conquered death, my sin, and the devil. He has conquered you, Satan. Uh, I, and I'll even say this. I, haven't, I don't think I've said it so much here, but I'll say in my service, you know, when the devil's telling you these things, tell him to go to hell where he belongs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, because yeah. he has, he's already lost. He's just a, he's just a tiger backed into a corner. Um, and so we are those sinners. And that's why we talk about sinner and saint at the same time. Um, because we are saints at the same time. Um, so, yeah. All right. Any questions about any of that? So I'm thinking that it's a thing to talk with my age group about. Mm-hmm. But give me some more guidance on what you mean by faithfulness. Okay, faithfulness. Um, the best example of that is like, uh, a husband to his wife or a wife to a husband um, because and I try to point this out sometimes with my kids the words adultery and idolatry sound very similar mm-hmm. that's because they're the same exact thing um, idolatry is committing adultery against our our bridegroom Christ as the bride church um, and so he just wants us to call him God he wants him, wants us to call him Father. He wants us to call him our Savior. He wants us to call him um, our uh, Sanctifier, the one who makes us holy. He just wants us to acknowledge who he is and that what he does for us makes all the difference in the world. Um, and I would bring out the, the image of the husband and the wife because that image is used all throughout Scripture. Um, perfect example is, oh, which prophet is it? I always get this mixed up. One prophet who God tells to marry a prostitute. Hosea. Hosea. Is it Hosea? Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it is Hosea. Because he had a verse 2. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take, take to yourself a wife of whoredom. Thank you, ESV. Um, of whoredom. And have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. Yeah, bring that one out in your uh, Sunday school classes. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> It, oh, no, go ahead. Um, if if you say you know God doesn't want obedience, wouldn't obedience be almost like acts that we would perform? Yeah. Um, so then, and and here's yeah. and here's the here's the the thing that to, when we talk about there is a new obedience that we talk about. Um, I think that's Article sixteen of the Augsburg Confession. In fact. Um, but what it, it's really not obedience so much as it is we're moved to do something. The new obedience is us. The only way we're obedient is the gift of the Holy Spirit in Christ. Um, and so, yes, we're supposed to do good works. We're called to do good works. For, for the, but it's for the benefit of our neighbor, not necessarily us. Um, that's why I, I hope I get this across with vocation. You know, fulfilling our vocation to the best of our ability um, is honorable 
I don't care if you're, you know, wiping the toilets, changing diapers, um, if you're the garbage truck driver, you're serving your neighbor. And those are the most honorable estates than all, all things, even the, the estate of pastor. In fact, I'm the lowest person on the totem pole. People don't usually realize that. Pastors are the lowest people because they're the servant of all. Um, and I'll remember that. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right. Um, Are you leaving? Okay. Bye, Cindy. Thanks, Cindy. Um, I forget where I was going with anything, but let's go back to the text, shall we? So, verse 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, you can almost add later on, um, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. What does that mean? Are you asking <laughs> us? Um, no, I'm sorry, there was a, there was a note here. No, 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 there's a note here that I want to read. It's a stupid note. Um, because it goes, well, this, the word for anthropoic refers here to both men and women. Thank you very much. No. Um, yes, that's the truth. Um, but here he's calling the first pastors. Um, pastors are fishers of men. Because we're always casting the word out. Sometimes the bait's taken. Sometimes it's not. Um, and that's what he's calling now Simon, a.k.a. Peter, and Andrew, um, because immediately they left their nets and followed him. Um, like I pointed out at the beginning, these guys know who Jesus is because they are present at his baptism. Um, it's been thought that even the 12 were actually disciples of John before they were disciples of Jesus. Um, and so they know something's going on with this guy because what, is, what does John say? Um, when Jesus shows up, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, look at him right there. Um, and so, so they know something's going on. So it's not just like they have this completely blind thing going into it. Well, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's 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 signs that this guy is different. Um, and so, people try to say, well, it was blind faith that they fall. No, not. To a certain extent, yeah, because they still don't know the guy very well, but they know something's going on. They've heard things, um, which is always great to point out. Maybe I'm going off topic yet again, but to point out, you know, when we're if we proclaim something, um, you know, if we share share our faith with somebody, um, talk about the forgiveness of sins, um, it might hit somebody. It might not, um, and that's why I emphasize vocation so much. Um, is because it's really through vocations that forgiveness can be pronounced. Um, and, uh, and I'm not perfect at this, but one of the things I try to do is, you know, when somebody says, well, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I say, you're forgiven. It catches everybody off guard because you're used to hearing, well, it's okay. Well, no, it's not okay. You said sorry. Something is bothering you. Um, so I'm going to forgive you because, you know, their conscience is troubled. In some way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, I've had people, you know, along the street, like, oh, sorry, about to run into you. They go, well, you're forgiven. Walk away, and they just start laughing. Yeah. I mean, um, but this is what I'm called to do as a pastor, not to mention as a Christian, And this is, but this is what these guys are going to be um, called to do. Um, so that's what it means to be a fisher of men. All right, so immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left and the boat and their father and followed him. Um, again, this isn't just out of the middle of nowhere. They know who this guy Jesus, you know, they've been there to see the whole thing fall from the sky like a dove. Um, now, people like try to put the father into this. You know, why, why would he let his kids go? It's actually Zebedee who would also... Um, pay for a lot of the ministry of the disciples in Jesus. And so he's moved to faith eventually too. So he knows something's going on too. Um, and then so they're not even really leaving their father behind so much. They are to go down a different path as far as careers go. Um, but yeah, even their father gets involved later on in all of this. So, so there wasn't any disciples that said at first, no, I don't want to. Not that we're told. They all agreed. Hmm. We're told that they agreed. That doesn't mean, though, that there wasn't some debate. Because um, I would think they gave up their whole life, basically, to follow him. You know, And they did to a certain extent because they still remain fisher, um, fishmen, fishermen. Oh, they did. Yeah, oh. because... Um, there's other there's other parts where it talks about because like when after Jesus is resurrected, um, Peter, James, and John are out casting their nets oh. and bringing fish for Jesus to eat and all that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah, so they're still doing it. Um, later on, though, they will not be um, uh, because they'll be strictly doing this whole thing. In fact, they'll call. Yeah, if the Holy Spirit comes down, they go about, they're trying to work and proclaim at the same time, but it's not working out. So what they do is they solely become pastors, mm -hmm. and then this is where the de the deacon comes in and plays. The true the true meaning of deacon is servant, and what they had was, were deacons that would work their jobs in order to fund kind of their congregation, their church, whatever you want to call it. Like a worker priest? Yeah. Well, not, not even so much that. Um, they were just making money to make it for the church. Um, our understanding of deacon and how we use it today is very different than the scriptural specific deacon. Now, I'm not saying that it isn't, isn't that it's incorrect. It's just used differently here, um, because unfortunately we use deacons. I mean, this is a personal thing. I think we use them in the wrong ways sometimes, but that's me. Um, but anyway, More like a political post than a religious post. You mean? Well, they preach, and that's my issue. Oh, um, because there's only one preaching office: the pastor. Oh, okay. Um, and we've we can talk about this another time, but yeah. that's kind of my issue with it. Okay, makes um, sense. So, but like, who was the pastor Sunday at second service? That was pa um, Reverend Doctor Ken Sherb. Um, he is a pastor. He doesn't have a congregation. He's actually a member here now. Oh. Um, but he's our mission exec for the um, Central Illinois District. Oh. 
of the Missouri Senate. So, so he was, uh, I'm so glad he was there. Um, but he just kind of jumped in cause he does that okay. and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, he still preaches all over the place. So when does, um, pastor get back from his retreat? Um, his retreat. I like how you call it. That. Um, he's supposed to get back tomorrow. Um, it's not so much a retreat as it is they're writing their new album. Oh, a music. Yeah, yeah. I thought that's what he told us yeah. he was going to do in March. Yeah. And I'm so glad he's doing it because he's having tons of fun from the way, that, way, way it sounds and mm-hmm. blowing steam and stuff like that, which he kind of needed to do. two Sundays because we kind of Yeah. It went through the whole house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, don't worry. You just missed me. Uh, I mean, I was there this Sunday and last Sunday, right? It was yeah. the two yeah. Sundays before. Oh, okay. We had to go okay. to the house. So I knew that he said something about... <coughs> I thought he said that they were going yeah. to retreat. Yeah. Well, retreat as in, I'm going to retreat to this and write an album, mm-hmm. essentially. So he's rocking his socks off. <laughs> his business is of the rock and roll variation. But Oh, yeah. Oh, I completely agree. And that's why I'm glad he's, he's doing it. Um, because, like I said, he's blowing steam off. He's regenerating mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, he's a bit too, you know, to spread the word. Oh, yeah. And, and he's, especially since he's so different than when he was the true rock star. Because he was a very angry person, from the way it sounds. He was a very, very different person than we know mm-hmm. now on this side of everything that went down. Um, but he was, he was a rock and roll star. Well, the music makes you angry. I don't, it comes, don't you think a lot of that music yeah. comes out very I'm hateful and very angry? Music and it was like Christian rock. Yeah, he's because there's oh. no swearing or anything in it. It's it's a positive message oh. opposed to you know what we probably could call it satanic message. Oh, but, I see. Uh, Pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Okay. you know style. It's more of like the '90s stuff that I grew up. '90s punk okay. fusion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think some of that heavy metal stuff can make you very oh, yeah. agitated. And very, very much. Because mm. I've kind of become a metalhead on this side of my depression. Mm. But that's because like Metallica, they're really dark like when they start. But their newest album, holy cow. Like These yeah. guys are acknowledging their struggles. They're talking about what's going on with them and their personal demons, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy cow. This is more Christian than a lot of that Christian rock because it's actually acknowledging the truth, that life sucks, mm-hmm. but that there is a hope nonetheless. Now, their hope where is their in some way. Yeah. I don't know where their yeah. hope is. Um, you, you know, we can use as a teaching. You know, our hope yeah. is in Christ mm-hmm. and the forgiveness of sins. So, but, yeah. All right. Not taking- like the 60s music. Yeah, not like the flower, flower chat, flower power Peace music. That's my guy. Is that your guy? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <coughs> and so he went through, throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, 
and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Now, people often wonder why, you know, all these healings. If Jesus isn't here about the physical stuff necessarily, pardon me, why is he still doing all these healings? Um, What he's showing is what heaven's going to look like. That's the point of his healings. He's showing us that he will heal us in body, mind, and soul. It may not be right now, but there is a future to look forward to as we run the race toward the goal. Um, and so that's what all of, all of that stuff points to, is that there will be a time where there is no sickness, where there is no affliction, no pain, no suffering, no demons, no seizures, no paralytics. All of us will be healed of all of our sicknesses, um, of body, mind, and soul. And so that's what the healings always point to. Because, again, it's not about not about being the bread king, um, as, as I called him earlier, but he's still the king of eternity, the king of the, of the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> so, all right, any other, any questions about what we just went through? It was a really long time. Can you talk to, can we talk to the children about them being disciples? Are yes. we to be disciples too? We're, we're called to be disciples in that the meaning of the word is to be a student. Um, because you'll notice that the, the 12 are called disciples while Jesus is around. They're stopped being called disciples once they enter into the ministry, essentially. They're no longer students, but they're now the pastors. Um, and I know we, we throw that term around discipleship all over the place. Um, but the biblical meaning is essentially to just be a student. Um, now, students do things. Right. You know, our, our kids just don't just listen. They, we actually do things with them. We teach them life skills, um, and so they do those things. But they are disciples. We are all disciples in that we are students of God's Word. Um, now, not everybody is a minister. There's only one office of the ministry, mm-hmm. um, and that's a good thing. Um, it doesn't belittle anything else um, because everything else is the most honorable except for essentially my my job um, because of how God works. Um, For us, I like to point out, the pyramid is upside down. Um, Start at the top, you start at the people and so on and so forth. Um, So pastor's kind of at at the tip, you know, He's not on top, but he's he's the servant of all with his congregation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so being a disciple, as far as like our kids are concerned, is even more honorable than being a pastor, as far as God's concerned. Now, it doesn't mean that it's not an honorable estate. Luther does call it, you know, the most honorable in the church, as far as vocations go, churchly vocations. Um, but that's because of what it does, spreading the news of Christ. So, Does that mean they should be involved in the church then, if they're disciples? Yes and no. I don't like the word should necessarily, mm-hmm. um, but that they get to mm-hmm. be a part of the church. Okay. Um, and I love that your boys help ushering. I love that they do that. And here's why I say this. 
because at my first call, my first call was, I can't go into it. It's just too long. But <clears throat> we had a couple kids help with ushering one day. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. We're getting our kids involved. It's like the first, <coughs> goodness gracious, <coughs> the first time they've been at church in probably their whole life. Um, and and they're, they're, they're accompanied by adults, and they're helping out, and they're having a blast. Boy, did I get a tongue lashing from some of the people because of that. I'm like, come on, guys. You wonder why people aren't coming to the church? That's it right there. Um, and so I love that we have your boys in there and other kids get involved with that kind of stuff. And don't be afraid to, you know, ask, you know, can, can they help, you know? But, you know, teach them from a young age. Um, but this is good, right, and salutary. Beneficial. So, and I beneficial. I have been, they got involved because my dad left when my mom was ill. Mm-hmm. And so they noticed mm-hmm. that he wasn't there and they left out. Yeah. But I was adamant with them that they had to dress the part and they had to act the part. Mm-hmm. So we've had a couple kids that have asked if they could too, and I've told them. And, and they don't have to wear suits, that's all I'm saying. No. But they need to not be in jeans and, and a t shirt. And a t shirt, yeah. Um, so that's the only thing that I sort of ask when people, just because I think it's important that they understand this yeah. is a leadership position in the church and they need to represent mm-hmm. it well. Mm-hmm. So, and a couple of other kids have stepped up and helped yeah. with their dads or sisters. Yeah. So I think it's great too. Yeah. I, just want, I want to make sure that we're respectful all the time of what that position does mm-hmm. and how important it is. Yeah, it is. It's important. So. So, but thank you. Yeah, I, I, I the reason I say I have to say that is because of what I went through with my first first call, which I ended up having to leave. But that's a whole different story for another time. But I won't leave. Oh no, you're fine. Reasons, but I really need to get leave to bed. Not a problem. I mean, I, it takes me half hour to get. Home. No, you're fine. I was going on May fourteenth. Uh, maybe that's Palm Sunday. Oh yes. Heather's class may mm-hmm. do the lesson that week, mm-hmm. may do the um, opening. No, because it's Palm Sunday. Okay. So, uh, I mean, if you feel, if you strongly that you want your kids wow. to be, that you want to do it or something, but I would like to, you know, it's it's really good, I think, when we get some of these older you know, kids. kids to, yeah. yeah. And the kids are going to have to leave early that day, I think, for singing, because I think they do the palm branches and the 1030 mm. service. Mm. The second so, graders? I can't, I don't know if it's the older it kids. It's one of the groups. The yeah, I don't know. Okay. I'll check for sure. We're going to lose some kids remember. that day, so it might be nice to just do a shorter lesson yeah. and have the kids lead it. And yes, well, I'm just going to look and see if there are, are activities and stuff, too. We've got lessons that you can that you can, you know, the little lesson leaflets mm-hmm. that you can hand out and, you know, if you want to do something with it. But I think it's, I think it's important for those kids to know what Palm Sunday is. Yeah, it's is. Palm Sunday yeah. specific yeah. lesson, not yeah. the lesson right. that's in here. It's yeah. the one that's, it's the one, is it the one that's free on the website? Yeah. I, I well, know. no, because it we got, I, we got it. it. Okay. It, it came with the Well, the I'm sure, I'm sure the materials came with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but. And then the next week is Easter. Yep. Are we there having Sunday, Sunday school? school? We're not doing no Sunday school. school? I don't know. No, because, because, because the breakfast? We did because the breakfast was yeah. 
Yeah. Breakfast is at like eight. Then we have a service at nine, and then at ten thirty. If I remember right. Church. Look at the calendar. Well, I don't remember. I don't remember, but I but I know we had Sunday school because. Did we have a breakfast last year? Yes. Yeah. We couldn't do it. We couldn't do it in the in the because we had church. We weren't in the new, in the church yet. We were still in in the parish hall. So I don't know. Do we have breakfast down here? Everybody got all messed up because of. So do we skip that week's lesson and come back to it the next week? You, you, well, we're going to miss two lessons. Yeah. So how? Do, what do we do with this? I we'll see if there's some way we can combine them. If, you know, because sometimes. Well, yeah. Thanks, Michelle. I know. Yes. Thank you, Michelle. Never apologize um, for taking care of your family. If there's some. If you if you feel guilty, you're forgiven. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, ouch! Oh, did you get a kink? Yeah. Kink in your neck. <laughs> it was God. Yeah. It's a knee slapper. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. You too, Michelle. Thanks for coming. Yep. Okay. Or probably even before that, at least I'll see Pastor. I'll see you at drop off. Yeah. yeah. We'll have to see, you know, how we can. I'm flexible, whatever you decide. Yeah. Okay. I didn't talk with that before today. I'm sorry. I meant to. I Which one? The, that, the Palm Sunday oh, stuff that you yeah, gave me. That's, I used to yeah. get it done. That's okay. All right. So it is 8.30. Do you guys want to continue or call it quits. Well, if we're going to do the Palm Sunday lesson and then do not have one on Easter, then this takes us Yeah, that, this takes us through, through yeah. pretty much. Right? Um, no, we're still short one. You're still short one, but I'm thinking, because I want to try to meet every last Monday or fourth Monday, mm-hmm. if we can pull that off um, and meet, and that'll be after that fourth Monday. Fourth Monday yeah, I think. At least one more. Do you want to do you want to do the lesson seven, or do you want to skip ahead to the one that we would be on that week of April 30th? Sometimes it kind of depends on what the lessons are. Yeah. Jesus heals many is, well, that's the 14th. Jesus calls Matthew. Jesus heals Sunday. Easter Sunday... That would be Jesus heals a man who is paralyzed. Then the following Sunday, the twenty eighth, um, is Jesus calls Matthew. Okay. But I'm pretty sure. I I think it would be really easy to. I shouldn't say really easy, but when we've got lesson seven, which is Jesus heals many, and then he heals the paralyzed man, to it would be those. yeah. That combine those. Like yeah, you can. Bu- yeah, those are easily combined. Because, you know, like I said with this previous one, remember what the healings always point to. Um, what is to come. Um, so, those are easy enough. So, when we do that, after Easter then, start on number 7, seven eight. and 8. Yeah. So, that would actually be happening on the 28th. And then, and, and I, and I want to I emphasize this too. Don't be afraid to fall behind. Teach those lessons. Um, because they are important. Um, we, we've we've gotten to this mindset that we have to have a done deadline instead of going to where our kids are. Um, and I want to make sure that you guys know that that if you fall behind, I'm behind you. Um, if anybody says whatever that you're behind or whatever, 
um, because in the end it's still it's still important. If you have to go into the next quarter with the next lessons, so be it. Um, it's still being taught, and that's what matters. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think so. Then if we do that, if we just do lesson seven and eight, yeah, focusing on the healing and how that points to heaven. And yeah, and our that's a great idea. Yeah, and that'll be right after Easter. <coughs> yeah. Because I just realized that Monday um, that we would meet—that is the fourth—is the Monday after Easter. I am not going to be alive. I'm gonna be dead. You're gonna be tired. Oh, that is the fourth one. You're right. Yeah. I was thinking it was the 29th, but you're right. It would actually be the. 29th. You want to cancel that one then? You want to pre-record it? We'll watch the video. Yeah, watch the video. That's right. I think that the lesson Jesus calls Matthew is really important because we need to realize yeah. that. So God we'll we'll set the time. We'll we'll meet that final Monday. Um, because that's the 31st, I think. Or the 20, 29th, yeah. April 29th we can meet. And will we meet at this, at 7, is that, wait, One of the things I was hoping to talk with the FH, you guys as the FHL, FHLT, sorry, um, is how often do you want to meet? I want to try to meet at least bi-monthly. Um, to try and put our ideas together and see where we can go with stuff. Because I really want to get Angie here with you guys and Shelly, if we can get her, um, and go through the revitality thing that we're going through. Um, it's not so much a program as it is a process. Um, and I can show you the uh, PowerPoint when we do meet again um, of the examples that we that we came up with that night that we went through the does that involve that questionnaire that people yeah. have been filling out? Yeah. We're one of the pilot churches with that. Oh. And so only if only a few were asked to come to it because of that. Mm -hmm. um, but that was that that's what that questionnaire was all about. Mm -hmm. um, and so I haven't seen anything about those questionnaires from anybody, mm -hmm. but I'm also not in charge of that. So mm -hmm. um, but but I'll put us down for the twenty ninth. And I have um four to Board again that night. It was already on the calendar. I didn't realize. What it. time is it at? It's at five thirty. Five thirty. But I we were finished by seven tonight, so I made it pretty okay. close to starting time. Let's let's time. do seven o'clock, and if that's okay with you, ladies. Mm -hmm. I suppose the, maybe Michelle would be the one. You know. Yeah. That would be the because of just how far she has to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't know if it have to wait on me then, and then do it earlier because I hate for her to have to. Drive this late. And like I said, I can guess I can stop this now. I'll record everything.